Time now to ease into the weekend with our Friday morning coffee break and delighted to welcome to the studio Una Burns from Novas Homeless Services and on the line we have Limerick historian Sharon Slater and Kirsten Mayle of KMPM Property Management in Limerick and you are all very welcome indeed. Let us start with the scenes on social media of the ramming of a guard car not once but twice in Cherry Orchard in Dublin and uh, been a lot about it since uh, and widely shared these images and then separately we have had um, successive nights um, late last week and over the weekend of rock throwing from the railway line bridge on the Childers Road and reports of similar incidents from some other locations around Limerick as well. Kirsten Mail, what do you make of all of that? What does it say for you? A society that has problems and isn't dealing with them and isn't confronting them. Um, I know in my experience, we're talking about a very small group of people, um, but they're not held accountable anymore. Um, there's a revolving door in the in the prisons. Um, that's if they ever get into them, right? And they're empowered. People are empowered. People who ram a guard a car feel there's no consequences. People who throw stones off a bridge feel there are no consequences. And this is not something that happened for the first time this week. You know, this is behaviour that I have seen in the last 10 or 15 years. It manifests itself in various locations. The good news is Limerick is no longer the centre of our national papers, you know, if there's any positive out of this, um, whereas we were the the targets uh, for for this type. Of anything that happened was all over the national papers. But this is this is society, and a society that doesn't protect its vast majority by whatever, um, whether it's the legislation, all this data nonsense, you know. Lack. I mean, I saw some article in the paper there where it said we have to remove all the uh, CCTV cameras that the Limerick, Limerick County Council disability in the last year. And I said, how mad is that? So instead of increasing protections for society, it's removing them. Yeah. Uh, Una Burns, what do you think? Yeah, I think that our first responders and uh, our guards and people who work in emergency services need to feel absolutely safe when they go about their job and, and, and that makes us all feel safe in terms of like protecting our communities and our societies. So it's totally unacceptable that um, this is becoming more commonplace and while the, the incident in Jerry Orchard was obviously very serious, like, you know, there's smaller scale versions of that happening around and we see, you know, you, you commented on the bridge case in Limerick and I think you need to target those small um, incidences before they become serious incidences and um, it has to be like a zero tolerance um, um, for that kind of antisocial behaviour where the lives of the people that are protecting our society are put at risk and um, which puts us all at risk and so it's totally unacceptable. Mayor Roxburgh Gardaí told us that there were 16 recorded incidents on Thursday and Friday of last week, I think between something like 8 and 10 o'clock each evening of um, rocks being thrown from the Childers Road railway bridge uh, and damaging cars, a train, a bus. Um, Multiple uh, listeners in touch with us telling us about what it was like and shattered windscreens. In one case, uh, mother telling us that a child was in the car 
um, uh, with them. And and I don't don't think there's any question really, is there, Una, that there is a massive risk attached if if a rock is thrown from a railway bridge. It's a huge risk, and you really wonder do the people that are, are you know participating in this kind of behaviour understand? Like you could kill somebody, you know, like you you, you could you could. If you're driving your car and a rock hits your windscreen, sure you've lost complete control and you can't see anything. Um, I, it's it's mad. It's crazy behaviour, and I, I think we do also need to look at why are these young people so disenfranchised, and how can we, you know, as, as you know, in communities, how can we get them involved in other, you know, mainstream um, activities that are, you know, better for them, better for society, and as I say, like you know, nipping these things in the bud is really important, and going back to communities and trying to engage people in, I don't know, activities that are of more benefit to them. Mm. Sharon Slater, your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, I'm going to just touch on um, what the last speaker was saying, and it's very important. Note it's the um, activities for people to have. You know, there's a the whole section of society that have nothing, nothing to do. They, what they're doing is terrible, and it shouldn't be done. And you know, I've had eggs thrown at my car going down the Children's Road. It's you know, the it's it's not good. It's a terrifying experience to have something bang up your car. But there's so little free activity for people to do, for children, teenagers to do. Even there was the, the talk of putting the um, the basketball, was it the basketball hoops inside in Arthur's Key Park, which would give people something to do for free, but you know that's gone off the table now. Um, it's a case of nipping these things before they escalate, finding other avenues for people to find entertainment because we saw with those videos, the people on the sidelines, they were finding this highly entertaining. So finding other means of entertainment would be, um, you know, it's more better. It's better as a preventative in the future as well. You know, we have to think of what is coming down the line in and, five or ten years. Carson, that point that uh, both of our guests have made about the disenfranchising of young people and having to get beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, in our day, when I was a teenager, you'd hang around Todd's, right? You'd always find something to do. There's things called sports, okay? So just let's get back to the basketball and why you wouldn't hang one up. Because whoever put one up would probably end up getting sued um, if something happened uh, because someone rolled on drunk or something and fell. And next thing, there's a lawsuit, which is probably why most of our playgrounds are closed or, or, or demolished. And this comes back to a whole pile of laws, a whole pile of lawsuits that come in, right, when any facility is put up and when people feel it's a mark, right? So, like, it's a great idea to have these things if people weren't soon every time they step on what it is, a court or whatever it is. So I don't go with this disenfranchised lark, okay? We were all teenagers at one point. And we all found things to do, right? If you make excuses for people, right, they leap into those excuses. I don't accept that at all. Um, yeah, I, I was very disappointed to hear that on Clare Street, and you know, they're doing a great job on the playground there, but the, there are no monkey bars. And I love monkey bars. Mm. And, and it's because apparently they're worried about the insurance implications yeah, of the monkey yeah. bars. And, 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 and this is everything in society, right? Like, I find it, and like... I never experienced a lawsuit, right, in my business, and I'm 45 years in it, until about five or six years ago. 
and the law changed from, you know, slipping in the pavement to slipping in common areas, right? And we have this whole new range. Um, and why? Because they can. You know, it's not actually, in, in the cases that I've come across, there was anything defective, but they end up getting a payout and happy days. And this is, this is the way our society has evolved into a huge claim culture as good as anything you ever get in the States, right? And a legal profession that are as good as what, when I was a teenager, they used to call the, 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 the lawyers in the States ambulance chasers. Well, we now have it in Ireland. And these are the consequences in society. These are the consequences when our common areas, we can't have common areas where people can play and relax and enjoy themselves. So, I mean, I don't, I, I don't see disenfranchised people, Joe. I don't. Okay. And when I, when I grew up in Limerick, uh, the people I was friendly with came from every single area in Limerick. Every single area in Limerick. So, you know, uh, I don't go with that. All right. Well, we'll take a break and we'll uh, chat some more after that. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on We're in the middle of our Friday morning coffee break. Uh, Una Burns from Novas with me in the studio. On the line, we have Kirsten Mayle of KMPM Property Management and Limerick historian Sharon Slater. And um, Sharon, um, the cafe owner that has banned customers from wearing pyjamas in, yep, in yep. the cafe. I mean, what do you make of that? Uh, it, it's really interesting to me from a, you know, everything comes down to a historical point of view for me. Um, it's, the fashion is, is something that changes and evolves and, you know, every, every cafe owner, every shop owner can have their criteria of who can come into the shop. But could you imagine somebody wearing their nice leggings trying to go into a cafe in the 1960s in Ireland? They would be shamed out of it. But today that's something that's seen as just regular fashion. Um, so it's the same with, with pyjamas. Uh, uh, for some people, that's just regular fashion, but it hasn't caught on. Um, thankfully, I'm not a pyjama wear outside, but it hasn't caught on with the rest of society. It, as long as somebody is wearing clothes, then... Well, well you, could you make a good point, Sharon? I mean, if you look back at fashion and the history of fashion, sure, there were things being worn 100 years ago that you'd look at oh, now yeah. and go, What? <laughs> exactly. And if you dare to have your, if you know, in the summertime, if you had your knees and your shoulders shown at the same time, you know, you wouldn't be allowed into anywhere. Yeah. Um, Una's looking at me going, seriously, Joe? Yes, I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you now, Una, what you make of it. Well, I love clothes, so I'd be have any opportunity to get out of my pyjamas and put on my clothes. Uh, so it, it doesn't really apply to me. I didn't think it was such a, a thing. You know, I thought that phase of wearing your pyjamas outdoors had kind of passed, so I was surprised yeah. to, to read that article. I, I thought that time had gone. I kind of I, think, I, I think... I think there's been a bit of a revival, and I don't know, was it COVID-related? Maybe, yeah. We're all were, a bit lazier yeah. with, with how sure. we dress. Sure. But we still sure. dress, though, nonetheless. Um, personally, it's probably not the most hygienic thing to be going into uh, somewhere that you eat wearing your, your clothes you wore. See, one of the things, we investigated this very, very deeply a few years ago on the Limit Today show. And we discovered that actually... They have going out pajamas. Yes! They have yeah. going out pajamas. Yeah. People you could just put it. on your going out clothes, though. You know, if you're going to get out of bed and change out into your, out of your pajamas, then 
you know, might just be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same as you now. I have to. If I'm stepping outside my door, I have to have going out clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just an inside outside thing. No, no, Kirsty Mail. I know you're a dapper suit man. I, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't see you ever doing it. <laughs> No, Joe, and I'm not going to comment any further <laughs> because I'm going to get into a huge amount of trouble, and so will Live 95. Okay, well, well then, uh, on that basis, I think it might be sensible to move on. Um, uh, but on on another issue, the, the the announcement this week from the government on pensions, and you know, there are people listening this uh, to this show of an age who are probably thinking, "Oh, pensions! Don't talk to me about pensions." Although the advice always is, the younger you start, if you start putting something away in your 20s you'll be very happy that you're doing it by your 40s is what they say but this is the old age pension they're saying we're going to keep it at 66 uh, Carson that's the government's view but if you continue to work thereafter then it will increase up to the age of 70 so you'll end up with a bigger pension above the baseline whatever that is by the time that you retire but we had a couple of experts on with us during the week who were saying that if you actually look at the figures then not taking the pension between 66 and 70 will cost you X thousand and then you'd have to live to about 86 or over to get the benefit of, of the increase, you know, on the amount of money you'd get between 66 and 70 at the standard rate. Mm. Um, I suppose, Joe, it, it's very topical for me, right, because um, I'll be in that bracket in the next two weeks, right? So... Um, Are you grabbing it and going? <laughs> not at all, right? And I, I think... The whole pension, there's a lot of emotion going around about this pension thing, right? So when you're in your 40s and 50s, you're kind of saying to yourself, you're going into work um, really to pay the bills, right? And when you're in your 60s, like for a lot of people in their 60s, they're coming out of that stage. I go into work now because I like it, not because I have to, right? So, you know, I think... You know, it's it's not just about the money. I think we need to rethink the whole thing. The pension was introduced by Bismarck 125 years ago. And basically, when he introduced it um, in, in in Germany, he the age was 70, right? And there's this thing about 65. It's almost like, um, you know, well, you have to be, you're an old man or an old woman at 65. Like, so... I just don't agree with the whole premise of this. I don't agree with the emotion that it's generating. And frankly, we cannot afford not to move the pension age. Okay, we cannot afford. We are the third most indebted nation in the Western world, right? Our demographic has changed dramatically in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, Recommendations have been made on how to address this. We need to push back the pension age, i.e. I'm going to be um, targeted by that. But, like, let's put it this way, Joe. I'm in work between half five and six in the morning. My average walking per day this year is 7.8 miles. You're not past it when you're 65. You're very much there, right? And same with 70. Like, I'm dealing with clients who are in their 80s, and they're as fluid, and they're as sharp. Okay, physically they slow down, but they're not crippled. Okay. You know, I just think we need to rethink it all, all right, and take the emotion out of it. Uh, I don't think there's any harm in giving people the option of continue to work if they wish to. Um, I think that it's fair to say that some people at 65 or 66 are ready to retire and others aren't financially or because they, they want to keep things 
you know, to continue to working for other reasons. Well, I so, suppose if you've been climbing scaffolds your whole life, you might find yeah. absolutely. that. Yeah. Absolutely. If your job is physical, 65 might be very old to be retiring. If you're on the front line of, you know, emergency services or whatever, 65 might be very old. But if you, you know, if you really enjoy your job, if it is something that's more using your brain than the physical stuff, then giving people the option. But also it's important to allow people to retire at that age of 66 if we can afford it. I think it's, I can't wait to retire. So I'll, <laughs> I'll be going at 66 or probably be about 75. <laughs> <laughs> can I go today Sharon um, <laughs> it's culture night tonight and I know Fantastic. you'd have great passion for that anyway and yeah. yesterday we were talking to Joe Kemi, Jim Kemi the late Jim Kemi's brother and Jan mm-hmm. O'Sullivan former TD because it's 25 years since Jim Kemi uh, died uh, and they're um, remembering Jim this weekend yeah. and we were actually talking about you in that context because it, to a degree you've carried on his legacy uh, in terms of history and, and um the history of Limerick and making sure that the localness is not forgotten, right? It's standing on the shoulder of giants is what I'm doing, just building on what, what's gone before. And Jim was so good for that. Him and then Kevin Hannon just went uh, miles and above what um, were, was needed from anybody. And if they didn't, ha- didn't, didn't start with their starting blocks of like the old Limerick Journal and things like that, um, I'd be in a much more difficult place trying to figure out uh, local history and it's fantastic Th- this weekend we've got that we've got the Jim Kemi um, remembrance uh, there's lots of different events going on for that culture night tonight um, there's the pig town events as well going on and um, the ABC for mental health has got events going on so uh, there's so much happening and nobody has an excuse to say there's nothing on in Limerick this weekend here, here, right. Well, that's a great uh, point at which to finish. And uh, thank you very much to Una Barnes from Novus Homeless Services. And we'll be talking to Una as we get into the winter about your day job as well, Una. We thank you so much for coming in this morning. We thank Sharon Slater, Limerick historian, for joining us on the line, and Kirsten Mail of KMPM Property Management, who has no intention of retiring. And why not? Your views, your news, your Limerick today with Joe Nash on Live.